pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry, and we are picking back up with our parenting, and it's going to be on, excuse me, uh, a somewhat difficult subject uh, of rebellion. Uh, Difficult, but it's very real. We both, as pastors, have watched the pain of parents as they watch kids just wander away and fight and push and and so uh, we can pretend it doesn't happen but it happens all the time and so we want to try to give some wisdom to that we're going to do it over a couple of weeks Um, now for younger parents this can be something they push off into the back of their minds in fact i would say that this happens way too often and it's easy right you're holding that beautiful little girl or boy and and you're just so thrilled Um, and everything seems so great and fulfilling and that you forget that you're holding in your hands a wretched little sinner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it it creates a lot of problems. Now, many can also find themselves full of judgment with others who have older children. So it's also very easy when you have a three-year-old to look at somebody at 14 and say, oh, they could be better parents. It's like, well, they probably could, but... You've got a three-year-old, so um, uh, wait until you've got a 14-year-old and you start to learn it. So as children just begin to age, puberty is closing in, it's not uncommon for parents to then begin to worry because they realize, wow, my daughter is undergoing changes and my my son is just acting a different way and um, I don't know what to do with this. What's going on? Well, it's everything we've talked about up to now. Uh, we've given plenty of warning and suggestions, but it has a way of sneaking up on people. And so right in the midst of a, uh, of the storm, as their child is making major life decisions and then acting in a way that's not consistent with their claim of faith or standards of the home, things can become very, very muddled because now the crisis is there. And I, I think you'd agree with me on that, that They've been pushing it off. They've been hoping things will get better. And then now they're 16 and their kid is making some pretty major life decisions, but in a rebellious way. And so now the parent just doesn't know what to do and and they're afraid of losing their child. And so all of a sudden, things that they claimed they treasured, things that they claimed that were like non-negotiables, all of a sudden become extremely negotiable with that because they're afraid. They're afraid yeah. the daughter's going to run away. If, if I do that, my daughter will leave or my son will uh, hate me. And so they, they start trying to hold on, and now they just want to survive it. Some will literally bury – well, not literally, <laughs> uh, figuratively bury their hat, heads in the sand. They'll just pretend it's not going on and hope things get better. Some will begin to play that game of compromise just to keep their kid from leaving home. Um, but every once in a while, we're, we're so happy to see the parents become courageous and they stand, they fight, 
and, and they fight that rebellion and they fight on it head on. And that's what we're going to argue for in the midst of this is that in the time of rebellion, it's not the time to retreat and pull back. It's the time to stand firm and, and meet that head on. So parenting if you haven't figured it out by now, is an art in many ways because you're dealing with another human being, a soul, and no two are the same. And so it, it, it makes us have to approach each of our children uniquely. So that's why we've been trying to teach you by principles. If you buy into the right, principle, right. how it applies to the one that's very compliant is one way and the stiff-necked one another, um, but, but every – one of them still has to comply with those principles. They still have to obey. They still have to show honor. So uh, what's that look like? So we believe that if you take what we've taught over these last many episodes seriously, that you will find much help in that task of raising up the next generation. However, there will arise in your time as a parent certain times where parenting can be very, very hard. And that's when your child at that that rather these times is when your child decides to stiffen the neck against your instruction and and move toward rebellion. Every child will do it one way or the other, um, and so we're going to uh, speak today on dealing with that difficult aspect of parenting and offer some advice and instruction. Um, Matt Miller is on the younger end with his children. My kids are gone. And so we, we are kind of capturing both sides of that spectrum. Uh, what we'll do is break it down into three very broad age ranges as they usually are different in what the rebellion will look like and also how you could, you're going to address it. Uh, so let's just give you a simple warning before we jump into the rest of the episode. Understand that in many ways, this episode will be very negative. <laughs> okay, this is not a happy one. This, this is, is what we do, though. Yeah, you know? it, it is our, our wheelhouse, right? Um, it, it's going to be negative. It's going to be talking about things that you have to do in an unpleasant way. Understand you, as a parent, will never be able to change your rebellious heart. That's something only God does. But you have to address the rebellion. You cannot say, well, only God can change this, so I'm just going to throw my hands up and hope. Um, you still have to address it. It's in, going on in your home. And so what we are trying to do is teach you how do you address rebellion. You can't fix it. Right. Um, and it may not work, but you got to address it. So yeah. so let's give some initial thoughts. Um, first of all, the best way to keep rebellion or you know guard against it from occurring uh, is to just be faithful in how you raise your children from from early childhood onto that that adulthood. Um, in other words, it's by applying uh, with prayerful diligence, you know, everything that we've been trying to teach in these 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 many episodes. Some are listening uh, now and are just starting out, um, and they might buy into everything that we're saying. Um, but others have jumped into this series midstream. Um, you know, their kids are several years old already. And so the mom and dad are um, now needing to stop uh, and what they're doing and maybe begin to do some serious rethinking. We've encouraged them to do that, you know, early on. You need to stop and first of all, look at your household. You, and if you don't do that, then yeah, take, take an assessment. nothing we're saying here will help. Right. Um, but everybody listening, we would also say, has some decisions to make. And one of them is how how much of what we've taught here and have tried to suggest over these many episodes are you going to buy into for lack of a 
better phrase. <laughs> um, we would argue that they are all interconnected. Um, and so to just pick and choose uh, what you feel is gonna be helpful for you or not helpful for you is gonna weaken everything. Um, but the choice, choice obviously is gonna be ultimately yours to make. We say these words because we're near the end of the series. Um, and we watch time and time again that people hear, uh, and yet many don't seem to act or act fully. Yeah, um, that's, that's the most common one. Yeah, the, certain things they'll take, but then other things, you know, maybe there's a better way in their mind. Um, and that, again, is a decision you're going to have to make. Um, and we won't feel sorry for you. <laughs> I, well, I mean that sincerely. Don't, don't, if, if, you, if you don't think that your child needs to obey the first time you give a command, okay. But then don't be shocked when they're 16 and you tell them no, and they basically roll their eyes and go do it anyhow, but they just crawl out the back window. You know? sure. It's like, okay, well, you taught them that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so we know how this whole thing works, and we know that the, there's that strong pull downward that this entire age exerts. Um, you know, we we have heard people tell us uh, how these episodes have been helpful for them, um, but then we'll also see you know some children still unable to sit uh, for more than a few minutes or just be relatively controlled, you know. And so we know that whatever they meant by using the word helpful. Um, Perhaps it didn't include applying everything that we're trying yeah. to teach here. Yeah. Um, so, so, so just think about it. Is yeah. all we're saying. But really think about it. Really think about it. Yeah. I mean, I really want to go off on that, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so like pastoral ministry, parenting is it's not something to be done by parents in a passive spirit. Um, that's always the the death knell to any yeah. faithful upbringing of a child. Parents are called by God to cultivate a spirit of discernment, wisdom, and humility into the heart of their children. Uh, too often, though, we turn our children over to others who will be a major influencer in what they believe, um, the, the things that they're going to love and the ways that they're going to act. So parenting is a full-time job that affords no real breaks. Um, it, it is a task of shepherding your child into adulthood in a field that is filled with wolves in every disguise, known and unknown. Um, there's a Latin phrase, um, in loco parentis. 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 Let's go with that. Um, it just means in the place of parents. And that can be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Um, but, but too often we simply send children into any and every place possible and expect that adults there are going to essentially raise them and raise them well, but we have no real idea what is being taught and what are the values and the standards in which the children are immersed. Uh, for more on that, just check out our episode on uh, school choices and yeah. those kinds of things. We, we dealt with with that there. Um, but on the other hand, you also have, you know, a solid church or a solid school. Um, you know, then they are able to come alongside you and assist you in your parenting, um, essentially uh, in your place. Um, but that assumes that they're actually doing what you would do and what you and and they're believing what you believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what happens too often though is we send our children to places that actually undercut the parent, uh, and it, and it, it's only discovered much later that your children have some disturbing or godless ideas that they subscribe to. And yeah, that, yeah, that blossoms the older and they, they get. And they, you're like, where'd that come from? It's like, well, you know that their teacher last year was a homosexual open, openly homosexual, and you're just kind of wondering <laughs> yeah. where, where some of those thoughts came from. Well, if you think he somehow hid that 
perfectly and instead express Christian worldview, um, well, I have a bridge I can sell you. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those are, like, there's subtle pressures and stuff like that because it begins by first desensitizing Right. Um, to things that are in opposition to God's design. But then now they're going to be, as they get older, constructing a worldview of, yep. and you're seeing it now in full-fledged, yep. like you must accept this, you must believe this, yes. so on and so forth. Um, so it's important to grasp that there, there's not some part of your child's life that is private to them. Um, and you, you possess the God-given right to insert yourself into any part of their life so that you might inquire, examine, challenge, correct, or anything else that you see as necessary. It really is like pastoring. Yeah. You know? In fact, it's interesting, just a quick sto uh, a story. Uh, this was years and years and years ago in my pastoring. Um, had a, a, a couple come. They had a, t a, a young teenage son. Uh, he didn't not, not only did he not want to um, keep his room clean and obey and, and show respect and stuff. But when he got mad, he just slammed the door and lock it and in his bedroom and just prevent his parents from even addressing things. And one of the jobs was to clean the bathroom and would never do it. And so it was just a source. And I mean, this is really a very typical vanilla description of what many people would go through as parents. And, and the, the son just wouldn't do it. And... I, I talked with the son, and the son didn't really care. Um, he was, he was, he just didn't care. And mom and dad didn't know what to do. And and so when you talk about there's there's no light part of a child's life that's private to him, I said, so what do you do when he locks the door? And they're like, well, what can we do? I said, well, I'll tell you what I would do if it was my home. And they're like, okay. I said, I take his door off. And they just stared at me. I said, I, I literally would take the hinges and go throw the door away. And they're like, "You, that's his room. I said, no, it's your room. Mm -hmm. He gets to live in it, but it's your room. And I said, and then I would also install a very nice lock on the bathroom and everyone in the household gets the key to it but him. And then I'd go buy him a porta potty, uh, one of those, you know, the kind you go hunting, stick in his room. And... <laughs> See, people think you're joking, though. That's no, the I'm not joking. I know that's the you're you're you you're actually willing to do that. I'm willing to go there. It's like, okay, buddy, you don't want to clean the bathroom, then the bathroom's not yours to use. That's a privilege. You want to slam the door on your parents? You think that's respectful? No, that's my door, so I'll just take it. And and now you, when you need to use the bathroom, you pull that little curtain aside and you go in in your own room. I'll guarantee you. I said, I'll guarantee you. After a week of him not cleaning out that porta potty, he'll start cleaning it because he'll he'll say, "Hey, this stinks!" Literally, yeah. <laughs> and they didn't do it, and I, I and and so the the ongoing problems went on and on and on. I won't get further into it, but it's like you're right. I'm willing to go there, and I think that's what. A lot of parents aren't there. They think that's not right. And it's like, no, it's totally right. So, so you know when Jesus talks about plucking out an eye or cutting off a hand, um, he's speaking in hyperbolic language there right. to make his point. But when you're dealing with your own children, who many times are unconverted, you as the shepherd, you sort of need to do that for them yeah. for that period of time. And so you need to make radical decisions and radical actions in order to communicate a, an important point that sin leads to death. 
you know? So yep. it might just be shutting yeah. the door, but it's like, no, there's a heart of rebellion there. And I'm going to remove certain things to try and teach you a, a greater truth here. Yeah. And now, ideally, they should never have gotten to that place, right? Yeah. yeah. We would say... It, it would have been a lot easier when he was 10 and still kind of cuddly <laughs> to deal with his, yeah. his attitudes, but they chose not to. And now he's, what, 14, 15, and it's blossomed into this. Well, at that point now, you have to act radically. This is not a time for the timid or the weak. So you guys really do, I, th I appreciate how you said that, is you need to understand that you have to be willing to go for it. You have to be willing to go that that level if it gets out of control because you're out of time. Uh, a 16-year-old in two more years is legally able to move out of the house and and, and go on his way. So anyhow, uh, something just to keep in mind with that. Now, with that in mind, just think about these words. They, they come from Judges, chapter 2, verses 7 and 10. It says the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And then verse 10, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, meaning they died, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, and here's the key, nor yet the work that he had done for Israel. In other words, that generation had watched their mom and die, dad and grandma and grandpa die in the wilderness in rebellion. They watched all of the miraculous works of God in securing and giving them the promised land, and somehow they managed to fail to communicate that to their children. Well done, parents. Well done. Yeah. And so after they pass away, the next generation rising up, they don't even re realize that. They were not brought up in the fear and knowledge of the Lord. So... That is just mind-boggling when you try to wrap your head around that, and yet we watch it over and over again. It is our task as a Christian household to raise up that next generation and have them thoroughly immersed in the mighty acts of God and what it looks like to trust God and love God and follow God. Um, a parent becomes a parent simply through the birth of a child. It's not hard to become a parent. But from that moment forward, you cannot be passive and just assume that they're going to absorb your faith, because if not, you're just going to raise up people just like Israel. So when you're dealing with children who decide to push back against the standards and wishes of the parents, it requires action. Wisdom will help you in deciding what action, but action has to take place nonetheless. So what you can deal with easily in the early years will progressively become harder as a child transition to a young adulthood. Therefore, take up the responsibility to correct, rebuke, discipline, instruct your children, especially when they're pushing back. And especially when they're young. Yeah, and and I think that's an important point on, on especially instructing in your children, but also clearly communicating the expectations. Oh, so, yeah. so you can have a child who ap appears rebellious, but they also might just be exasperated because there's no consistency. You don't communicate anything. So in order to rebel, that implies that they understand the standards and they're pushing against those explicit standards. But if you don't set those things up and they don't know what they yeah. are they're just exasperated because one day you're doing this, the next day you're doing this, the other day you're doing this. In fact, that was one of our opening principles that we said probably in episode three. It was be consistent. Yeah. 
right? Yep. Because, yeah, nothing more frustrates a kid than he's in trouble for it this week, and next week dad thinks it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next week when you ground him or take something from him, well, he's going to slam the door because it's yeah. like— and then you're oh, I'm going to remove that door. Well, <laughs> well, before you do that, why don't you repent? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's—I ho- I hope we're making that clear to them. Uh, when you consider rebellion, though, in the Scripture, what you do need to understand is you never find it treated lightly. So in Deuteronomy 13.5, God commands that, that false prophets be killed because what the prophet is really doing is counseling people to rebel against the Lord. So he's like, the reason he has to die is because he's actually pushing for rebellion. So in 1 Samuel 15, 23, we have that very sad story of King Saul. He's rejected as king of Israel because he rebelled by not obeying God's commands. So Samuel, the prophet, tells him that rebellion is as the the sin of divination. The reason they're the same, I, I, I know this people, like, why? Why is, how does rebellion and divination, what's the connection? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, the reason they're the same is that rebellion is assuming that you know better the mind of God, and so you choose to go your own way rather than as God has directed. And that's no different than divination. Divination is, I want to know the mind of God, so you go through all of this mystical, magical stuff and walk away saying, well, this is the mind of God. No, that's not the mind of God. God. It, the word of God is his mind. Rebellion is the same thing. I think I know better. So all you have to do is read the whole of Isaiah or Jeremiah. I'm a little ahead in our Bible reading, and I'm in Isaiah, and I'm just already shaking my head. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Um, but read Isaiah, read Jeremiah to see how rebellion, once it takes hold, is devilishly hard to turn. In fact, truly, it requires a heart to be broken and changed. And so here, I'll read uh, out of Isaiah 1, 4 through 7. Isaiah writes, Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, son who, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Where? Will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers, are devouring them in your presence. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers. That is a fruit of rebellion. And it's a sad story. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways that you're going to deal with rebellion based on age groups kind of. Um, and so we're going to just talk about the different ones here. So, And these are somewhat arbitrary, um, but we're just going to give some age ranges. So the early years, we're just going to say is age is roughly one, one through to four. four. Yeah. Um, and rebellion can look different here. Um, it's it's going to be ways that don't seem like a big deal, but it's going to be when you establish no touches and they touch it, um, when you have to say something, you know, when you give a command and you have to give it more than once, um, you know, or you have an expectation that they stay in their bed and they have to ask <laughs> you to get out and they just get out. Um, Aren't you, haven't you had to deal with that? I think it was you that said you were 
you hear the thump and the boom, 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 boom of the feet going to you like, <laughs> and we're laughing because it, it is funny, but it is rebellion. And, and so I, I hope we're also going to convey a bit of our heart. We love our children. Yeah. Um, and, and we know what's going on, but it's rebellion. It's, it's that little guy thinks he knows better than what mom and dad think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have children this age, you you know what rebellion looks like. I mean... Yeah. If, here's another one. Um, you have memory verses and your kid refuses to memorize them. Well, spank them. <laughs> not hard. You know, it, 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 yeah. It's like, that's called rebellion. That's not just, well, that's personality or this or that. It's rebellion. Yeah. Uh, but it's not a big... It's not like he's now committing mass murder. It's just... He's looking at you and say, "I'm not going to memorize this." Oh yeah, I, I what we had our rebellion was our kids always knew. Kim was very faithful with uh, the verses, and the kids always knew them perfectly. And then we come and pick them up from Sunday school, and the teacher was always faithful to say how they were because uh, they knew we would deal with them. And so the Sunday school teachers liked us. Um, and so when we found out that so-and-so didn't have uh, say his memory verse, we're like, oh, they know it. <laughs> and so I would actually make my child come back and say, tell them your memory verse and do it now. And that's when they get the weepy and they, oh, and they, and they act all shy. And, and some mom and dads would say, well, that, he's just shy. I don't care. He can't go through life using that as an excuse. He has to someday learn that shy or not, there's a time you need to speak. And this is a time. A teacher, a point of authority, that en locus parentis, we, they're functioning in my place, and they ask the child, tell me your memory verse, and they rebelled. They said, I don't want to, so I'm not going to. So th- I made them do it, and then when we got home, they all, th- whoever didn't do that was disciplined. And then the next Sunday, I would have a very stern talking to that child, and before we got out of the car, I'd make them tell me the verse. You tell me that verse, and they'd tell I, I'd tell them, good job. Now, what are you going to do when the teacher asks you? Tell it. Are you going? Are you going to obey? Yes, sir. Okay. You know what happens if you don't. And sometimes they did. Sometimes they didn't. But they quickly got over it. They we we were able to get them out of that shyness or whatever it was and have them understand there's more going on than just not saying a memory verse. It's a heart of rebellion. So yeah. anyhow, that's just. There's little simple ways. That no touch is probably the most easiest, uh, the most obvious though, right? Yeah. Um, don't touch that. <laughs> All right. And, Come here. Okay, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then they're crying like well, then their they get life that has come to yeah. an end, right? And you're like, oh, you're not even hurt. <laughs> right. So uh, early years, one through four, um, you know, so – Again, it, this is somewhat arbitrary, but it, it does help consider the natural development that occurs um, in your children and in your household. During these formative years, you're establishing the foundations of what you will need for the later years. And so here you're expecting your son or your daughter to obey and respect. Um, and that one that one's key. I mean, it's not just obedience. It's it's also a respect. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, what, do you, what do you say when, when you're... Because you don't do what we did, um, you do slightly different. When you tell your daughter to do something, what do you expect her to? How do you expect her to reply? She's got to say yes, Papa. Yeah, or yes, Mama. Which is just simply acknowledging one, she's heard you. 
she understands and she intends to go do it, right? Yeah. Whether that happens yeah. is a separate issue. Um, well, and, and with her, so like with Naomi, for example, she's she's different than Levi. If For those of you who know them, you understand this. Um, <laughs> she's, she's me, uh, which means she's very much internal. Uh, so it's almost the less expression she has on her face and the less she seems like she's listening to you, the more she's actually engaged because she's totally an internal processor, whereas Levi's just, he bears his emotions on his sleeves. You never have to wonder where, where he's at. Um, so with her, she in her mind could be completely acknowledging me and there's respect going on there. And so I'm sitting there and I'm telling her and, you know, giving her instructions on things. And then she just w walks away. Um, and I know that she acknowledge and that she's going to go do it, but I want to train her that she she needs to acknowledge the person who's speaking with her, just because it shows respect. And so, when she's done being talked to, she needs to make some kind of statement, like like yes, Papa, or you know. Um, and so I'm just trying to teach her. Look, at, you got to respond to the people. This isn't just all about you. Um, yeah, and they can't read your mind. Yeah. Um, so. That's why we do it with her. Yeah, and, and now we we made him say yes sir, or yes ma'am. Um, same concept yeah. though, and it was just so that we knew they heard us, and there was this. They understood that we're not now when we're tickle fighting. It's daddy. It's you know. It's all those other more casual terms. But when it was an order, it was always yes ma'am, yes sir, because they want. We wanted them to understand. Your mother has directed you to do something. We expect obedience. When I was in a police academy, that was one of the funniest things for me to watch. Uh, I was a bit older than a lot of them. A lot of them were 21. And that was the first time in their life that they had somebody in their face just yelling at them. And most of them didn't understand that the first two, three weeks of the academy, it was six months long, um, you couldn't do anything right. Just <laughs> it doesn't yeah, matter yeah. if 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 they could shave in your the shine on your shoes your shine your shoes weren't shiny enough, and they would yell at you and and your job and only job was to say sir yes sir, sir no excuse sir, and watch the people argue. I'm like, oh you're actually going to argue with our <laughs> drill sergeant? Huh? That's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah. and, and but it was because they had their whole life never had to acknowledge an authority and. It was just non-negotiable. You will do it. I'm, I'm thinking my kids could do better <laughs> yeah, right. than, than most of these adults. Cause well, and then if there's a consistency in how you do this as well, they, they will know how to respond to you just based on your tone. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they know when you make that, and I know you've talked about this and you had this, that experience too, when you, when you shift your tone, they all of a sudden know, oh crap, this is like, there's something serious going on. Yeah. Here. I call it, they put it in reverse quickly. They're like, yeah. oh, back up, back up. <laughs> but if you're always at like a level 10 because you're impatient and you're just hollering and you're screaming and you're speaking very strong and sternly all the time, they're completely desensitized to that. Yeah. You know, but, but if, if you, so don't waste your tone, I guess is all I'm trying to say too. Um, there's a time in which you become more stern that it all of a sudden it'll whip them around you just that, said it puts them in reverse. That's, that's such a good one. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up because it's not actually in our notes. It's not – a lot of times when we I look at a parent who comes in with a rebellious son, I'm already thinking in my own mind just as a pastor, he's just like you. I mean, isn't yeah, it true no, though? Yeah, very true. I mean, so often it's like you were given counsel and you rejected it. 
you were given more counsel. You reject it. You were you sat under this sermon, that sermon, and and you heard the words. You know the word, and you've not done it. And now you're scratching your head. Why, why is this going to my home? You've modeled it. You you. Or, you always knew the better way. You know when and when your disciples fully trained. They know, will be, be like, like you. Yeah. So if if you're having that rebellious child who doesn't seem to heed your words, begin with yourself. You know how often my heeding counsel or the words of those who are trying to shepherd me. Right. And so you're but that also that angry parent, that angry parent, you're right. After a while you just stop listening. Um because they're just angry. And so yeah, you I I like that. Don't waste your tone. That's that's an awesome. That's like that's a lot good line. Um you're you're just showing again your wisdom. Mm-hmm. Try not to When get, you got it, you get oh, you too, I lost my place here. Uh you're on point 4. What page? Oh, well, you're, you're right there. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> um, so. Um, the rebellion. Yeah, the rebellion. That, that is, <laughs> Let me help you. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Um, so, yeah, the rebellion that happens here is usually rather minor. Um, talking about this, you know, ages one through four, roughly. Um, so it, it it's tantrums or repeatedly disobeying in some specific manner. Um, for a home, this seems to come in sporadic moments and usually when would last about a week or two. Because you're um, addressing it. Yeah, yeah, and now you're just dealing with it. We talk often about how it's like we recognize now we're in a new season of shepherding again. Sometimes you feel like, man, your children seem like they're not obeying you or they're being more rebellious or something like that, and you're like, Are, am I slipping? Am I doing something poorly? Yeah. Um, and you might be, but what we're, we've also learned and are still learning is as your child grows, they just enter a new season, right? So now you need to shepherd this new season. And they don't know that new season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, the reason we picked one to four is by five, their will is pretty well established. And now from the, that next season, it's now they need to learn how to sh- manage their own p- personal will because they have one and it's right good when, except when it's not. And, and mom and dad are to help them recognize, we, we, I understand you don't want to pick up your room. I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not debating whether picking up a room is pleasant. Um, the question is, will you do it? And, and as long as you live in my house, you will. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. But like, yeah, and like just as an example, um, there'll be times where, you know, one of our children, I mean, they're just, they're very pleasant. They're very compliant for, you know, several months. They're just a delight to yep. be around. Nothing's hard. Uh, just seems easy. And then all of a sudden, maybe they start getting whiny. It's like, where's this coming from? Like, what is going on? Well, first of all, what I usually do is reflect, okay, have I done something mm-hmm. different? Have I grown lazy or slack? Good. And if if the answer is no, we're being consistent, both of us, Lydia and I, um, chances are they're just in a new season again. And now they're just expressing that will all the more that they're discovering. And so now you need to adjust a little bit and address those particular things of, look, at you've been whining a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that's not okay. That's not right. That's coming from a heart of unthankfulness. And which is cool, though, is that uh, how, how old now is Naomi? Five. Yeah, okay. So you're able to actually re- reason with her. Like with I, wa- I watch uh, your wife um, with Levi when he just decides he's going to cry. Without seconds, uh, without a second going by, I watch Lydia and she'll say, you need to get self-control. It's That's your phrase. Um, get self-control and obey. And I'm like, that is so good. And it's so simple. But 
now, because you're training that with him, he'll be like Naomi when they're five. Now you can begin to talk to them and reason with them because you have them under control. Um, yeah. 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 So, so dealing with this um, is easy, but it can be very discouraging at times. Um, and so you simply just, you, you don't allow rebellion against your expectations to go unaddressed. You have to, you have to deal with them. Yeah. So if you allow it, I'm just so tired. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, so you're discouraged. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You still have a little boy. You wanted that little boy. You prayed for God. Give me a little child. I, he gave you him. Now you got 18 years, 18 years of working. And so you never tolerate um, rebellion, right? Yeah, absolutely. And what, what's important to grasp here is that um, in each of those times where that rebellion is popping up, uh, it's helpful to understand that there is actually a battle that that's occurring. Um, will the child submit their will under yours or are they going to assert it over yours? That's the question. So how you deal with that in the early years is going to affect the later years uh, in very significant ways. So never treat rebellion as if it's something cute and give it excuses. Um, you know, it's not at a stage of life um, that we allow. Um, it is the reality of a sinful heart expressing itself. I saw another story. I, we had a young couple come over to our house, and they were young Christians. Um, they already had a, a couple of kids. One was a baby. The other one was a toddler, so about three. And the child was uh, just constantly interrupting as we were talking. They'd come over for counsel, and they didn't have a babysitter. So uh, it gave me a great chance to see their child children in action. And the child just kept obey, disobeying. Uh, they, they would say, don't don't touch that. They'd go touch it. They'd cry. They'd resist. And finally, after about 45 minutes of this, I, I looked at the mom and dad, and I just said, is that what you want her to do? And they looked at us, and they're like, well, no. I said, then why are you letting it go on? And they're like, well, what can we do? And I said, do you really want to know? Because I said, I, I, have, I can tell you. And... To their credit, they, they, they said, yes, we'd like to know. I'm like, oh, they're really tired of this too. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, the first time that she didn't do what you told her to do, you should have excused yourself and gone and disciplined her. And they're like, like how? I said, discipline her. Yeah, but what do you mean? I'm like, oh, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> okay. And I said, spank her. And they're like, Okay, and so they gave a little swat on a heavily diapered bottom. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I said, that's not going to change Drop things. the drawers. And so they said, well, I said, don't use your hand. That's not going to work. And, and so they, they're like, so how, how, do, how would you? I said, I'll discipline them, discipline her for you if you like. In fact, all because it was time to pick up the toys, and I said I'll discipline her. And I said I guarantee you, within a few minutes, she'll pick up the toys. And they're like, "Okay." I said, "So you're giving me permission to discipline your child, right?" Yeah. So I said, "Come over here." And I said, "So here's how we would put her over a knee." So, and so I, I, it's a great way of locking the whole body down, so there's no fighting. And I said you're supposed to go pick up those toys. And I, I spoke sternly, and she immediately went into tears and ah, got mad. I picked her up. I said, that's a no. Put her over my knee, and I used our uh, paddle, and I just 
gave her a couple of whacks, nothing horrible. And they're just watching. And it's, it was, if they had notes, they would have been writing. It was actually rather sweet. And I put her down. I said, now go pick up the toys. Instead, she flopped on the floor and they're, they both just shrugged. See, that's what happens. And I said, I picked her up and I said, that's a no. <laughs> put her over my knee, gave, gave her two more swats. Go pick up the toys. She flopped on the floor again. I did it a third time. Then she got up, and I said, now go pick the toys up. And she walked over crying, and she picked up two. And then she stopped. So I called her. I said, I told you to pick all the toys up. Gave her another swat. And after that, she cried the whole time, but it was that little whimper thing because she wasn't happy, but she picked all the toys up. And when she was done, I praised her. I gave her a hug. I gave her a little bubble uh, kiss, that, you know, where you have like a raspberry on her neck. I said, good girl. I said, That's, that was a good girl. And she was happy. She, the tears stopped. She was happy. And the parents were just staring at my wife and I like, I can't believe that just happened. I said, it was that simple, guys. I said, it's that simple. Every time she does that, you do this. I said, and if you do it, your first next two weeks will be rather unpleasant. But within two weeks, trust me, you won't have to do it. She'll begin to understand, oh, they really mean it. And it was, it was such a but, simple but there thing. There was a battle there. Yes, definitely. And, and, and so you just, you by faith do it, even though you don't love the process. Yeah. You kind of got to shut that emotion down and say, yes, but this is right and good. And you by faith do it, and it produces. Um, so you're on the middle years now. Well, yeah. So um, you never treat it as cute. In other words, right? You never give it excuses. You don't say, "Well, this is just a stage you're going through." No, it's a sinful heart working itself out. So you address it. So yeah. that's the young years, right? The middle years is where it starts getting a bit tougher, and that's uh, ages five through twelve. Now during those years. Um, the rebellion begins to become much more subtle uh, because the child is definitely developing his own sense of how life should work, uh, usually very much centered around them. Um, there's this greater independence, which is good. It just has to be, again, shepherded and developed. So now you're going to get them arguing with you. You're going to start getting them rationalizing, right? Now it gets more subtle. So um, – you, you, you tell them, pick up the room, and they do a halfway job. And they're saying, well, I didn't know you meant my toys. I thought just my clothes. And then you get in this debate. And it's like, there's no debate. You know full well what it is. Uh, unless you never taught them what it looks like to have a clean room, then, well, teach them. Right. <laughs> um, but it's that kind of thing. They're going to start to uh, argue, rationalize, lie, that the lies are now flowing heavily here um, if they're they're trying to rebel. Uh, can you think of anything, just looking back in your childhood? Um, I know one that I had was my mom, I may have said this story, my mom, when she wanted me home and she meant it, she used my middle name. So it was Matthew Scott Henry, get home, or Matthew Scott Henry, clean the dishes. And so I learned that if, as long as she didn't use all three of my names, um, I was I was good to go. So I would just ignore her until she used all three names, and then I would go do it. By then, she's frustrated. She's annoyed with me. She's exasperated. But she she feels like she couldn't do something because I was now doing it. Um, that's rebellion. That's your son or daughter has been taught by you to not listen to you when you just simply say it. So that was one I know I was an expert at. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I'm sure my parents would 
fill a book. Disagree with this, but yeah, <laughs> lying was not one that I was an issue for me. I, I, I think I was a pretty truthful kid, but I was just overtly open about being rebellious. Oh, just geez. like I'm just, I'm not going to do it. Oh, you okay. Know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and 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 I mean, what are they going to do about it? You know, I'm just going to do what I want and just create a tumultuous home. Yeah. And, and again, people, you, you know what that, you've been in homes, maybe you were that child or maybe you're a parent of that kind of a child. But at this point now, the kids are just hard. And parents, if you're not ready to enter that fight and battle for their soul, um, it stops being fun. So now you start to try to entertain them. You try to keep them really busy and things like that, thinking, well, that'll, that'll fix it. It's like, no, no, that's not the issue. It's not that if you can keep them distracted somehow uh, or you start bribing them. Golly, how many parents? Well, but they'll do that at one to four, right? Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I hear parents all the time, if, if, fine, if you don't do this, I'm not going to give you dessert. It's like. Pretty sure they're. Mouth is going to be filled with ice cream. In yeah, yeah. Ten minutes. <laughs> so just understand, this is a little bit more of a hard time. But rebellion, as I'm using it, is still a time of willful rejection of your standards and your expectations in your household. So that's that's how I would define rebellion because that's how God does. He's like, here's my standards, here's my word. When you go against it and you choose willfully to go against it. You're rebelling. That's different than when you don't know. You know, I I know we yeah. said this in some podcasts here recently that Christ was always patient with people with honest questions. I mean, he he, he knows them. He knows, and so he'd instruct them. Um, but the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they're they were in rebellion, and he never had time for that. He would never play that game. And and parents, you should too. It when they know your standards and expectations, then, and they're not going to do it. That's just simple rebellion. So every child is going to fail. Every child will sin. That, that just happens. That is a lot different than when they know they're doing wrong and they do it anyhow, and they do it often in, in a sneaky manner. Uh, in fact, deception really is often a key part of rebellion at that age. So lying, I, I just found out my son, <laughs> I didn't know this. He would, he knew how to pick the lock of our bedroom, apparently. Um, and he would hide cookies under our bed. He cut, he said he cut, a, uh, uh, he cut the under, you know, the bed springs yeah. that, you know, that's always has that little filmy fabric on the bottom side. He cut it and then stuck the cookies up inside there. And so that he would crawl under, our bed and reach up there. He didn't care if they were covered in dust. He'd just blow them off and then eat them anyhow. I'm like, you little creep of sight. Because you wouldn't check your own. Who's lifting up their king-size yeah. mattress and bed springs just to check? I'm like, you little creep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's deception, though, right? It's like I mom won't find it here. <laughs> She'll never even think of looking here. <laughs> And so I just kind of gave him a look. He's like, he's like, I felt bad for his boys because his boys will try whatever they're going to try. And he's pretty much been there and done that. Um, but lying, 
lying in any way has to always be dealt with very strongly before it becomes a pattern in their life. So when you have a child whose default is to lie, you have a very serious problem and you need to address it very hard and very firmly. It's always troubling when an eight-year-old has a tantrum like a three-year-old might. That's usually because they learn that tantrums work early on in their life. We've all, we've seen it though, right? Where they just melt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're eight. Come on. Um, when, as they get older, you'll find that physical discipline also doesn't work as well. That does not mean that you withhold it, but just understand that it tends to be much more limited in its ability to affect the child. So during this time, you're beginning to talk a lot more to your child. You need to be confronting and challenging the child when rebellion arises. And you need to help them see how rebellion can manifest itself in many different ways. And sometimes that can just be by you're at the store and you watch a kid just be rebellious, and you can use that as an example. See what they're doing? What is that? Well, he's, that's rebellion. That's right. That's right. And, and, and see how miserable mom is now? And that, that's why we don't want you to be that way. Or they come home, and they, they've now experienced rebellion on the other side of the coin, right? Uh, somebody, like you, you put your 12-year-old in charge of your 3-year-old, and the three-year-old doesn't want to listen to a 12-year-old. And, and now he's frustrated and he's angry. And it's like, hey, buddy, come here. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's frustrating, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's supposed to do. I, you put me in charge. I did. And, and we're gonna, I'm going to go discipline him. But now you understand why your mom and dad deal with you like that. Because when you don't do it, it's just as frustrating for us. It's not good. It's not right. So you're helping them see how it works. Yeah. Um, rebukes, exhortation toward faithfulness is, is always going to be the key. Uh, usually their mouth begins to speak folly at this point, and the, you need to correct it rather than ignore it, and most definitely not laughing at it and thinking it's funny. You will find that your child at 11 can do a very good job at trying to outlast you regarding something they really want to do or to avoid. This is not a time for you to give in, and nor is it also funny. You need to strip away all of the fluff, all of the arguments, and at the core, you're going to end up finding rebellion. So as the child gets older, you need to deal with the rebellious attitudes much harder than when they were young. When they're really little, it's more often you're just getting the action. As they get older, you're looking more and more and more at the heart. It's not right. like you don't worry about the heart, but it's hard to talk about the abstract concept of a heart to a two-year-old. But it's real easy to teach him no touch. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but 11-year-old needs to see the attitude and the hard attitude. So depending on the situation, you should consider physical discipline, but also add other responses as well. So maybe it's loss of privileges uh, a ground and groundings. Those are very common and they're very effective if you use them wisely. But there also should be the loss of trust that they're, they would have to deal with. Um, when they're breaking their word, and they're acting in a deceitful manner, you need them to learn that a reputation is very hard to develop, but it's very easy to destroy. And so I, I would simply say it's better to learn that when they're 11 than when they're 20. Yeah, Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and so, and we've had to do with that, right? Uh, we both can think of young men who weren't well parented well. And so, 
we, we, we just sometimes look at them and just shake our heads. It's like, oh my goodness. And, and, and they're now trying to become a man of God, but they have no well to draw from. Mm -hmm. they, and so now they're doing something that would have been so much better if it had been taught and practiced when they were 5, 8, 11, 16. But at age 20, these things are really, really difficult to root or, yeah. Uh, yeah, root out. Yeah, right, right. So we'll stop here because um, the next section deals with the, the teen years. And um, that's probably where most people have the greatest concerns and also questions. And so we want to devote an entire episode to uh, teenage rebellion. Uh, we can, however, say that if, if you address rebellion in the early years, then the teen years will uh, hopefully not be some horror story. Um, you know, so often uh, parents create the very problems that we're hoping not to experience. Um, and we can tell you that when, when you come to us, for example, with a son or a daughter who's 16 in rebellion in very... In, in, in every way possible that there's little that we can do in the way of positive counsel at that point. Um, they're, they're functionally adults and they're now living out their passions and their beliefs and their various convictions right before your eyes. Um, but we can remind you that the gospel there is still supremely powerful. And if you have at least been faithful in teaching them that, then, you know, you'll find it has a way of working um, out in a marvelous way. Yeah. Um, so, but just not in the time frame often that we we would like. Right, right. So yeah, so you have that rebellious daughter and you're and you you feel like you lost her. Not if you brought her up in the gospel. If you got if one of the saddest things and yet beautiful things in a weird way for me as a pastor is watching children who nonetheless even though parents made a lot of mistakes and and they helped their children rebel and stuff. That the one thing they were faithful is to teach them the gospel, and they know it. They know it well. What's interesting is how hard those children try to run from that. They, they're now 30, and they're still running because they can't get away from the gospel because it's in them. They don't believe it, but it's in them, mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful thing. Um, it's like a hound, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, 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 and so you're able to look at that 30-year-old and say, sweetheart, I love you, but you know the answer. You know the answer. You don't have to rant at that 30-year-old. You just need to say, you know the answer, and the answer is going to be Christ. And and all you're doing is dealing with the consequences of rebellion. And I'm sorry, life sucks, but it's because you've chosen to go away contrary to what you know is true, and you know it's true. And so my prayer for you, like I always tell you, is repent, come to Christ, and and then we can go from there. And so... At, at the very least, bring the gospel into your children's lives. Yeah, good words. So we'll pick back up on parenting next time, Lord willing. And so until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on some of this. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm -hmm.